Good morning, everybody. What we're going to do is talk today about the idea of hope and how we can develop the kind of hope that uh, someone can write lyrics like that and sing songs like that to say, you know, in the middle of life's difficulties, in the middle of life's struggles, when things aren't going my way, I can still have hope. And we're going to look today at a process. And my, I, my goal for us today is that we would be willing to embrace God's process for growing hope. Because when we can embrace the process for growing hope, then we can have hope in the face of every situation, I believe, as we look at what God's going to show us today in Romans chapter 5. So if you would grab your message notes out of your program, they look like this, and there have verses on here and blanks you can write on, maybe you have something you want to write down today. If you have your Bible, you can open it to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, I'll be jumping in with verse 2 in just a little while as we look at this. Now, I don't know about you, but I love March Madness. I love the season when, you know, things kind of ramp up and the whole playoff atmosphere. And, uh, but the confession is, is that what happened to me this year is that we're almost through with March Madness. We're almost down to the final four, and I had not watched one game. Not one until last night I got to watch a half of a game. And so I'm watching that half of the game. And it was a pretty exciting game, actually, between uh, Syracuse and Ohio State. Ohio State finally pulls it out in the end. But I was thinking about this March Madness thing. You think it's 64 teams at the end of the season. They enter into this playoff kind of thing, 64 teams. So the 64 teams to play to see who will be what? The national champion, to win this whole thing, to be the national champion. Now, as they start this out, every one of the 64 teams starts out with the hope that they will be the national champion, okay? The hope that they will be the national champion. How much of a chance do you think number 64 is on that list of actually being the national champion? It's never happened, Never happened. And yet every team starts with the hope that they will be the winner. They go into it, they give it their all, and their one game they get to play, and then they're out. And the hope that they will be the winner. You know, why is it that we're wired that way? Well, folks, we are hopers by nature. We're all hopers by nature. We hope that we will get married someday. We hope that we will have children someday. We hope that our kids will go to college someday. We hope that they won't come back, okay? They <laughs> uh, hope that they're going to find their way. We hope that I'm going to get that right job. We hope that when I buy this car, it's going to last, and I'll be happy with it for a while. We hope that we're going to be able to have our finances straightened out. We hope that we'll be able to keep our home. We hope that we'll be able to get well. We hope that our relationships will be healed. By nature, we are hopers. But here's the deal. Here's the, the idea I want us to wrap our brains around right now. Most of us are placing our hope in circumstances. Most of us are placing our hope. I hope that this is going to happen. And we believe that somehow in the cosmic world that because I hoped it or because I thought positively enough that this would happen, that somehow all the dice will roll out in my favor, or the lottery ticket will come my way, and I'll get to the end, and my hopes will be, really, be realized, that I'll be able to get what I've hoped for. How, where did we get that idea? Where did we get that idea? How often is that true? Very rarely. I buy the new car. I have it for a little while. It's a piece of junk after two years, right? 
I call cards pieces of metal on wheels. That's what they are. And so we look at that. So when we place our hopes in something that's circumstantial, I can guarantee you this. I guarantee you that at some point you will be disappointed. You will be disappointed. But when I place my hope in what God says, when I place my hope in biblical hope, the kind of hope that God says that has a foundation that's not just based on pie-in-the-sky thinking or some thought I have. When I base my life on that hope, I can have the kind of hope that can withstand every circumstance that comes my way, no matter how difficult it may be. Now, I know some of us are going through some difficult circumstances, maybe not right now, but I can guarantee you at some point, because Jesus says in this world you will have troubles, that there are going to be some circumstances that come your way, and you're going to need what I'm going to talk about today. We're going to need this because if we understand what's happening and what God wants to do when our circumstances aren't going our way, then we're going to be able to have a hope that's beyond circumstances and a hope that can withstand the circumstances that don't go our way. Okay, First idea is this. I want you to write down the definition of hope that we're going to use today for this series. And it's real simple. Hope is trusting God's promises. Hope is trusting God's promises. See, hope means that I have something to live for that's based upon what God has promised, not upon what I think to be true or some kind of positive thinking kind of approach to life. Biblical hope is based on a positive outcome in my future because this is what God has promised and I believe it. And I'm moving forward to that positive outcome in my future because God has promised it. Biblical hope is based upon God's promises and God's character. It's not based on me. It's not based on my circumstances. It's based on God's promises and God's character. Biblical hope is totally secure. It causes us to live differently. It causes us to face life differently. It causes us to be able to stand differently when things are shaky and not going our way. Biblical hope is simply trusting God's promises. Now look at what it says in Romans 15. Romans 15, it says this. The scriptures give us. Now, okay, first of all, where do we get hope from? Right there it says, the Bible says that we get hope from the Bible, from its source. From God who inspired these words. So we get hope from him as he's given it in his word. Give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently. You might underline that. That's one of the keys that we're going to look at today. Wait patiently. That's the part that nobody likes, right? Nobody likes. It's the waiting part. But we wait patiently for his promises to be fulfilled. You must trust his promises and wait patiently for them to be fulfilled. And in that we can have hope. Now, hope generates all kinds of energy, enthusiasm, and excitement. So hope's a good thing. It generates all of that, and it's a really cool thing. So I want to wake us up today to this concept of hope. So Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 2b. If you have your Bible, you can look at it there. The verses are not on your notes in one big section. They're actually spread apart, but I'm going to read them to us in one big section. They'll be on the screen. Right in the middle of verse 2, Paul pauses and he goes, oh, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So first of all, I said, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I'm going to talk about what that means in a minute. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope, 
This hope, this hope, biblical hope will not lead to disappointment. Will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. It's based on what we talked about last week. In order to understand hope, we have to understand love. That's why love came before hope. So we'd understand this whole idea of embracing love. Because of his love, he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love so that we know he loves us and that all these circumstances, the ones that are coming at us, that we're disappointed in, that we don't want, God has allowed them to be filtered through his love because they are for our good. Therefore, a purpose. And we're going to look at what that purpose is. Now, what I want to do is just jump right in. So the first idea is this, based upon verse 2, is this. I need to awake my hope by looking forward to God's prize. Here's the way I start. The hope it starts this way, by looking forward to God's prize. Now, verse 2b, this is what Paul said as I started there. He says, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So here's what Paul's saying, and this is how we're, all hope starts here. If you're going to have biblical hope, it starts here. The glory of God that Paul's talking about here is the end of the age. It's the time, the moment, when you go to heaven. When you've said yes to Jesus Christ, when you go to heaven. That's the glory of the hope that we have. That's the opportunity. That's the prize that is before every person who said yes to Jesus Christ. In order for you to have hope, you can have hope because when you look forward, you're not looking forward to your circumstances. You're not just going to be happy if things change. You're not going to be good if things were different. You're going to look forward. You're going to say, because I look forward to a future in heaven where every tear will be wiped away and I'll have a new earth and a new place and a new body and because I'll be made like Christ, I have hope for that day. That's the hope we start with. The hope there, we start with that. That's the end. That's the reason. In everything we face, we can pull our eyes up and say, I see the prize. Because I see the prize, I can go through today. Because I see that prize, I can do what I know I need to do in this moment. So he's talking about that day. Now, I didn't put this verse in your notes, but Colossians 1, you want to write this down. Colossians 1, 4 through 5. And maybe you want to look at this later. But this is what Paul says in Colossians 1, 4 through 5. We have heard of your faith in Christ. So here's how we, you know, the whole idea begins is you have faith in Christ. That's the beginning place. And your love for all God's people. So as I have faith for him, then I'm going to develop love for people. Which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. So it comes from this whole idea that if I'm going to develop hope, it's got to be because I'm focusing on that prize, heaven. Now, I'm just so excited about what we're going to do right after Easter. Right after Easter. I just can't believe we've never done this before. You know, 20 years, we've never done this before. But I'm going to do a series right after Easter on, on heaven. Heaven, just heaven. Just we're going to look at heaven from Easter to Mother's Day. We're going to talk about what will heaven be like. We're going to talk about what will we do in heaven. Will there be rewards in heaven? Who will be in heaven? We're going to answer all your questions, I hope, about heaven over those weeks. And I thought, the reason we need to know what heaven's about because it's the prize. It's what we're shooting for. It's where we're going. It's the prize, that thing we're going to look for in heaven someday. So I can't wait till we get to start that, this picture, this idea of the prize. Now, here's how important it is. I'm going to show you a picture. This is Eli Manning. Eli Manning of the New York Giants. And he's looking. This is, picture was taken about two months ago. Uh, the Super Bowl is over, and they are the Super Bowl champions. And he's celebrating the moment when they're champion. And this picture illustrates exactly what I'm talking about here. He's looking at what? What does he have in his hand? The 
prize. This is the prize he's looking at right now. This is the prize. And so he's looking at this, and you can just see in his face this look of satisfaction. He's going, oh, my word, all the work has been worth it. All the, you know, films that I've watched have been worth it. All the times I took a hit have been worth it. All the times I was knocked down have been worth it. All the times I threw an interception have been worth it. All the times I threw an incomplete pass. All the times that I threw a touchdown pass. All the times that I spent sweating and running sprints. And all, it's all been worth it because that's the prize. That's the prize. And yet, that's just a circumstance. It's just a circumstance. He will go away. Next year, somebody else will have the prize. And the way, reason we can have hope is because we're looking at a prize that will never decay, will never be taken away, as we're looking at the hope of heaven, the hope of heaven. Now, what happens is when I take my eyes off the prize is I get discouraged. Take my eyes off the prize, I get discouraged. Look at what the psalmist says in Psalm 42. The psalmist says in Psalm 42, he says this. He's gotten his eyes off the prize. He's gotten his eyes off the whole idea of there's a goal, that there's something that God's doing. He says, oh, I'm looking at my life. And he goes, oh, but then I had a wake-up call. Why am I so discouraged? My circumstances are not going my way. Why is my heart so sad? Oh, I know. It's because I've taken my eyes off of God. And he says, I'll put my hope on God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. And folks, I'll just say this. We will be discouraged, disappointed, and sad when we take our eyes off of the prize off of the prize of what God's doing, what he's set up for us in heaven. Now, I just want to come back and cover one thing. If we go back to this uh, verse from, uh, if you pop that back up again, Julie, that verse from Psalm, uh, from Rome, right there. Uh, and so that verse right there, it begins with this whole idea of rejoicing. And you might just go back to your notes and circle that word rejoice, because it also is used later on. It talks about rejoice. So here it says rejoice in the hope of heaven, but then it takes a twist, and it says rejoice in suffering. We're going to look at that in just a little bit. Now, I want to clear this up a little bit before we go on. That word rejoice that Paul uses here, he's not saying, I want everyone, when they face difficulty and circumstances, difficult circumstances, when life is, you know, coming over you, and you're not sure how you're going to be able to stand up, and you're not sure how you're going to be able to stand, he's not saying, I want everybody to be happy. <laughs> I want everybody to be happy. I want you to put on your happy face. And you know what? I want you to deny this reality that you're going through. He says, no, I want you to rejoice. And here's the key. The difference between happy and what Paul's saying here is what Paul is saying, I want you to exalt. Exalt. I want you to exalt. I want you to have a kind of joy that comes from understanding what God is doing so that even in the middle of difficulty, there will be times when you pick yourself up and you've been knocked over and you've got sweat coming off and you've been hit in the gut and you've been pounded down and you're not, and you look up and you say, oh, because of what God, because of, I can exalt in this moment. Look at this picture. This picture is of Justin Smith. Justin Smith of the San Francisco 49ers. This is in the playoff game that happened just a few months ago where the 49ers are playing the uh, New Orleans Saints. This is the third quarter of that game. The game's still full force going on, and he's just had the opportunity to sack Drew Brees. He just sacked Drew Brees. It's over, and he's like exalting. You know, I was looking at that thinking, that's a little bit of work. I think I could... No. <laughs> That's the wrong kind of hope. <laughs> oh, to even think about that. 
But you know what? He's, the game's still going on. He's picked himself up. He's grimy. He's dirty. But at that moment, he's had joy, a kind of joy. I can exult in this moment, even though I still have a ways to go in my situation in the game and the circumstances. So when Paul talks about joy, just know he's not talking about happy. He's talking about I can exult victory in the middle of difficult situations. Okay, second idea is this. I wake up to hope by knowing, key phrases, knowing and embracing God's plan, his plan. So what I want us to do is I'm going to walk through a plan that Paul gives us, God's plan for how we grow in hope. You know, it's the idea, grow in hope. And so look what it says in verses 3 through 4a. Once again, there's that word rejoice. It doesn't mean happy. It means I'm going to exult, okay, exult. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character. Now turn your notes over on the back side, and I'm going to give you what Paul says is God's plan for how you grow in hope. Your hope can grow. I mean, initially, when you first come to Christ, you first get to know him, you give your life to him, you have a hope in heaven, but it's not been tested. And then what happens is, as your hope gets tested, as you grow in hope, you're able to face more and more circumstances, more and more difficulties with hope because it's grown, because it's developed. And here's the process. It begins with suffering. Oh, I hate that. It begins with suffering. Wouldn't we like it to begin with, like, Krispy Kreme donuts or something? <laughs> it begins with suffering. You know, it's like, oh, it begins with this idea that we all want to run away from. We build our lives to try to stay out of these opportunities where there's going to be pain, where there's going to be suffering. We do everything we can to keep suffering from happening, to keep difficulties from coming our way. And yet what Jesus said, he says, in this world you will have troubles, is the idea that Paul wants you to know is you're going to suffer. So instead of being a victim to suffering, realize that your suffering is part of God's plan. Your suffering is part of God's process. Your pain, your difficulty. When life is coming over you and you're in these moments where you're distressed, realize that that's part of what God is doing for you. So this word stuff, suffering, it actually it means times of distress, times of heavy pressure. Times of heavy pressure is what it means. So suffering includes times of sadness, times of lost dreams, times of death, illness, relational breakup or relational breakdown, financial calamity, you know, kind of like career, just kind of being stuck, uh, disappointment, uh, confusion, all kinds of times that come our way. So those are the times of suffering. And in order for me to have and grow in hope, I must realize that's just part of life. That's just part of life. It's part, suffering will be part of my life, and hope begins when I realize that circumstances are not in my favor. Circumstances are not in my favor. In fact, what's, in my, what's coming my way, as Jesus says, is struggle and disappointment and difficulty. Hope begins with a challenge. It begins with a difficulty. It begins with a death. It begins with a loss. It begins with a hurt. It begins with pain. It begins with suffering, and hope will always be tested in times of discouragement. Okay, so it begins with suffering. It leads to endurance. It leads to endurance. 
because this process starts with pain and suffering, then as I face it, it leads to endurance. So I've got this weight. Uh, suffering gives you a picture of a weight that I can't carry. And I know those of you, Dave mentioned earlier, uh, when his dad died and, and some of the feelings he had. And, and some of you, Kim's expressed to me recently after her dad just died a little over you know, a month ago now that uh, there's times in her grief that she feels like she's just got a weight on her chest and she can hardly breathe. And so oftentimes we'll be facing those difficult times and that's what we feel like, you know, that uh, we've just been told that we've lost our job. Oh, that just feels like a weight on your chest. We've been told that we have cancer. We've been told that our parents have cancer. We get a call and our, you know, kid's gone south, and we get a call from the sheriff about that. And, oh, it's just, what do we do? Or we get this, you know, report. And all kinds of ways come at us. And at that moment, what happens is the weight is put on us. The weight is put on us. The weight of suffering comes on us. And here's what God wants us to understand is, is now we have the opportunity to wait patiently. That's endurance. I have the opportunity to wait patiently. Let me ask you this. What's the first thing you want to do when you face pain? You're just, your reaction. What's the first thing you want to do when you face pain? Run. Run. That's what, I don't like pain. I don't want pain. I want to run from it. I want to escape it. I don't want to be even part of my life. I want to get away from it as fast as I possibly can because it hurts. That's the definition of pain. It hurts. Struggle hurts. And so I want to get away from it. But what Paul wants us to see is, here's the deal. Endurance means staying in the, fat, the battle. Staying there. Not running. Not, here's a, not escaping. There are a lot of ways we escape when pain comes, right? We escape through chemicals. We escape through relationships. We escape through, you know, workaholism. Uh, we escape through denying God. We escape through anger. We escape through hurting other people. Uh, all kinds of ways we escape. And what God wants us to understand is when I give you the opportunity to grow by allowing suffering into your life, what I want you to do is I want you to endure it. He's not asking us to be victims, Oh, I just have to suffer a while. <laughs> you know, because I know that God said it's good for me. No, he said not. Endurance, exalt, endure. Endure with power, endure with strength, because I know that in this, God has a purpose. And that's the third idea, is it leads to character. It leads to character. When I endure, when I wait patiently, what happens is that God's going to grow my character. Now, the word character, when Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 5, he's the only one in the New Testament who used this one word. Seven different times he uses this one word, and this one word, it's a picture of the refining that happens in my life when the heat's turned up. So when the heat's turned up, when you turn up the heat under gold, then what happens is it melts off the impurities, and you're left with the real deal. You're left with gold. And he's saying, here's what happens. Suffering comes. When you wait patiently under it, then God will develop your character. He will develop your character when you work with his program, when you work with that. You know, I'm uh, in this treatment now for my hepatitis C, and uh, I'm uh, 22 weeks down, two weeks to go. So let's cheer, okay? Two weeks to go. And it, I just say, it's not been easy. You look at me, think I'm semi-normal, and so... Uh, but it's not been easy, and uh, it's not at all. And so right in the very beginning, when this started, 
I looked at it and said, okay, God, I know I've been down this road before. I was a responder relapser, and I'm a little afraid about doing this whole ideal again. And uh, about cause of what it does, I saw the damage last time to me and relationships and the whole world all around me. And so I said, I want this time to be different. And so suffering, circumstances aren't in my favor. He called me to live with endurance, and so I worked really hard. And then he said this. He showed me from the very beginning. He said, and here's one or two character issues that you've got, Thompson. <laughs> and I'm going to allow this season for me to work on those if you will, just endure. And I tell you, there's so many times I wanted to escape. I just told Kim last week, I'm ready to quit. You know, I'm 22 weeks in, and I'm ready to quit now. And, uh, and he said to me, if you will endure with me, and you will allow me, when we get through this, then your character is going to be better. It's going to be better. It's going to be different. It's going to be more like my son, Jesus Christ. So suffering leads to endurance, leads to character, leads to hope leads to hope. That's the fourth thing. Back to hope again. It leads to hope. Leads to hope. Now, here's the deal. When I'm going through this time of character development, what's happening is, I read this week, as a phrase. It's called battlefield tested. Battlefield tested. So my hope is developed because I'm battlefield tested. Uh, you guys know the old Ford commercial, and it's got built Ford tough, you know? It's like built Ford, got stamped. I'm built Ford tough because we tested our Fords and we've driven them through all kinds and it's built Ford tough. Well, what happens is with us, suffering, endurance, character, we're stamped built hope tough. Built hope tough. And then what happens is, is because I'm watching God work, then I now have hope, not just in the future, not just in the pride, not just in heaven. I have hope that he's doing something right now that's for my benefit. And not just for my benefit, but it's for the benefit of others too. And so I now have a hope, not just in the future, just pie and sky hope, but I have a hope for now. That even when I don't like the circumstances, even though I want out from under this, even though this is incredibly hard, even though I'm having a hard time breathing, and everything in me wants to escape, I'm going to embrace God's plan. And what will happen is, remember I said knowing and embracing God's plan. The word know is used in those verses. And what it means is not head knowledge. See, I can give you a talk today about hope, and for some of you, this is just head knowledge because you've not yet faced the kind of circumstances that you're going to face where you're going to need this. But others of you have. And so what happens is, is that I see God work over time. I know experientially that what Paul said is true. Because we've all been through difficulty, and you've been through, when you look at and you get back on the other side, you're going, Wow, look at what, how, how, how to go, look what God, did, and look where I am, and oh, I'm different. And you're like, look, and now, you know what? I think I can face it a little differently next time. I'm not going to be as afraid when those times come. I'm going to trust God's plan. I'm going to embrace it because I know experientially that his plan works. And I can submit myself to his plan. Okay, last idea is this. First is I want to look forward to the prize. Second is I embrace the calling. I embrace the plan that he had. The last one is this. I have to hold tightly to his promises. Yeah, yeah, say in Easter. In Easter, we'll be reflecting on looking at a verse from Hebrews 6.19 that says that hope is an anchor for the soul. And what we're talking about here is that I have to hold tightly now. 
what I'm saying today is not easy. This is not for the faint of heart. This is not like grammar school stuff. This is like extra credit, graduate level thinking where I'm saying to God, God, I'm going to walk with you, but God, I know that when those storms come, when those waves are going over my head, when I get that announcement of that death, and I feel like it can't breathe, and I get that, you know, uh, medical diagnosis, and I'm just, my head's spinning, and I'm wondering why. God, at that moment, the only thing I can do, God, at that moment is grab hold of you. Grab hold of you and what I know to be true about you, and I'm going to hold on to your promises as I face this difficulties that comes my way. Verse 4b through 5, he says, And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And notice what? Circumstantial hope leads to disappointment. But now, what well, I said, biblical hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Here's what you can know. God is not just waiting in heaven for you. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, and you know you're going to heaven, he's not just like, okay, now I'll just wait in heaven, and I'll be up here, and I'm not going to mess with your life, and I'll just be here when you get here. You die, you take that last breath, I'll be here. Here's what you need to know. God's working in your life now. Right now. And he wants to work his plan. And part of his plan is, because he loves you, he's going to allow, sifted through his fingers, he's going to allow times of suffering to be sifted to you. Circumstances are not going to go your way. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be hurt. You're going to know pain. And he says, what I need you to know is, I'm here. And you can trust me. You can trust me. Every step of the journey that you're going to walk with me. Now, I want you to write this down. Here's what we can know today. Here's what we can know. And I'm talking about knowing here. I'm not talking about just head knowledge. Here's what you can know experientially as you walk with God. I want you to write this down. All will be well. Here's what you can know. All will be well. All will be well. Even though I don't see how, even though my circumstances don't change, even though you don't get married, even though your marriage doesn't make it, even though that you don't get to have the children that you dreamed of that you hope to have, even if you don't get that job, even if you don't get out of debt, even if you don't get that car, even if you don't get that home, even if you don't get to keep that home, even if your kids don't get into that college, even if you don't get healed, even if you don't get well, even if you don't get to what you want, even though life stays hard and difficult and it seems like it's a struggle every day, even though your grief is longer than you want, even though your sickness remains, even though depression is your constant companion, even if your kids don't turn around, what you can know is God says, all will be well. All will be well. You can trust him. You can trust his promise. It is God who is at work, and therefore you can count on all will be well. Philippians 4.13, I can do everything who Christ, who gives me what? Strength. Gives me the ability to face it. All will be well. I ask if you bow your heads and let's pray. God, wow, just thank you so much for that truth that all will be well. We just thank you so much for your power. We thank you so much for your promise. And God, as we walk through days of difficulty, may we realize that this difficulty will not last, that there will be that prize someday. 
And that even now, the God, that you're at work to allow the difficulties that you've allowed to shape us. Help us to embrace them, not to run from them, not to deny them, not even to use religion to push them away. But that we would embrace what you've allowed to come. And Father, I know that if we think about the prize, that, that not everyone in here has said yes to Jesus. So not everyone in here really has a guarantee of an eternal destination in heaven. And yet, if you realize that's the start, it seems like we'd want to have that nailed down. And so, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you've never said yes to Jesus, you would do it today. You say, Jesus Christ, as much as I know how today, as much as I understand, I want to turn my life over to you. You are the Son of God. You came to live and die on a cross. And on that cross, you paid for all my guilt, all my penalty. And I want to accept that payment today. I ask you to forgive me for my sin. Cleanse me. And because of your payment, I am now debt-free. Debt-free. And my eternity is settled. And from this day forward, I can look forward not just to another day, but to the prize of heaven. And God, for all of us, as we face the difficulties in life, I pray today that you would help us to think through what we've talked about today, that there's something beyond the moment. Oftentimes we just need to know there's something beyond the moment. There's a next step, there's a next day, there's heaven, there's a prize. Help us to know that you have a process and a plan in place for us to grow in hope. Help us to embrace your plan, not to be afraid of it, not to run from it, not to try to escape, but to learn in the middle of it everything you have for us, God. And God, I just pray today, because I know how hard it can be, that we would hold on desperately to you. That even when it looks like you're not coming through, that we would wait patiently and trust you. And that we would look back and we'll be able to say, huh, I now see what God was up to. Because I'm different in this way. Because I know him in a new way. And I experientially have a faith that can carry me. And I thank you for that hope, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.